In a world where it seems like there's so much going wrong, I want you to see the people who are spending their lives doing and seeing the good. Welcome to the Doing Good Podcast, where we discuss the stories of people who are changing the world in their own way. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. And I am very excited to welcome Rich Ellis onto my podcast today. So Rich is the president and co-founder of the Mascot Miracles Foundation. When he's not working his full-time job as a heavy equipment operator at the Kennecott Copper Mine, he's working full-time with Mascot Miracles, helping create experiences and memories for families that have children with serious to terminal health conditions. He's been married to his beautiful bride, Trina, for 34 years, and God blessed him with three beautiful children, all of which have grown up and are all married now. One blessing Rich is truly grateful for is that every single one of his children are active members serving in the foundation, which means that he gets to see them on a regular basis, which is awesome. Rich has always been a thrill seeker, and he says he has a hard time passing up a dare. With that being said, three fun facts about Rich are, one, he once caught on fire, and that was probably you said one of the most scariest experiences of your life I can imagine being literally caught on fire would be terrifying. He performed on the flying trapeze and loves doing flips. And and he said, I wondered if I was going to make it around to catch the other bar. That would be so terrifying. Rich loves skydiving and the freedom and thrill of free falling with nothing but nature and air brushing across his face. Oh my goodness, Rich. Welcome to Doing Good. Sounds like you have the most exciting life and kind of like really interesting like on the one hand you like work heavy equipment at Kennecott copper mine and then you like jump out of airplanes and then you do stuff with the miracles like you kind of are just a jack of all trades well i don't know jack of being dumb most of the time but yeah <laughs> no Dude, lots of really gotta back up for half a second on the, the three the three things you guys right. wanted me to give you two truths and a and a lie so i'll let you try to figure out which one of those oh. have been the fib and then we'll We'll talk about the three. That makes sense. Two truths and a lie. I think the skydiving is true. Okay. And I don't think the flying trapeze is true. I do think you were caught on fire. Okay. Well, you got one of them, right? I got one of them, right? There is no way in this world, Carmen, I am jumping out of a perfectly capable airplane. That's not happening. No way. (laughs) No way. You would have to push me because there had no way I'm jumping out of an airplane on my own free will and choice. No oh way. Oh my gosh, stop. Not happening. There he is. No. So, I mean, I've, I've wanted to, but I, I see it and I watch it. I'm like, yeah, no. My feet are fine on the ground. You but know. you, okay, but then, but you did the flying trapeze. Is that because you're like, you know, attached to something or there's like, yeah, no. Catching you? That's, no, there was a net, but oh, there's a net. Still so up. if there's a net, then you'll fall. But if it's a parachute, then no. Oh, so you're going to put that on me. We can actually, so we can go through it, I guess, a little bit right now. So with the Mascot Miracles Foundation, I have have a, a background as being a mascot. And this was one of those things that we... A bunch of the mascots had the opportunity to go and, and try out a flying trapeze to get some video and whatnot. So climbing up 50 feet off the ground without having any visual other than straightforward. Yes. It was a little terrifying because that would be. You had no idea what was below you. And there's really no training on a trapeze. You go out and you fling back and forth and then you let go a couple of times to follow the net. And then pretty soon they say, okay, you want to try a flip? Well, we're not smart. <laughs> sure. 
<laughs> Why not? You know, and at that particular moment of letting go and doing a flip, I realized this was not a really smart idea because I had no idea where I was, for one, of course. going around and how much I needed to rotate before I was going to come down the right way. And, exactly. uh, and grab the ball. Oh, scary. And to be honest with you, that the instructor, he says, you know, I want to try this. And we had a, a spare costume and he went and put it on. And he went up, he got up there, and he'd been doing trapeze for year, forever. And he got up there, and he swung back and forth like three times and just let go. And he goes, you guys are idiots. He goes, I don't know how you do things without being able to see. He goes, there's no way. I'm like, well, you guys dared us to do it, so here we are. You know? Yeah, exactly. Did so, you make it around, or did you yeah, call that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was fine. I mean, but that initial flip was a little bit spooky so, oh yeah. my goodness that sounds it but it sounds kind of fun was it kind of fun too yeah i don't know if i'd do it again i wouldn't do it for a living no way once in a lifetime. That's crazy once in a lifetime okay so and, tell me about getting caught on fire so back when rocky mountain raceway was going here in salt lake every year they would have a mascot demolition derby and this one particular demolition derby i got hit pretty hard and knocked my car out of commission and all of a sudden, my legs started getting really warm. And I looked oh. down, and the whole inside of my car was on fire. No. And, uh, so, you know, trying to get the, the demolition derby to stop and, and notify people that your car is on fire was a little spooky. So, yeah, that was a little terrifying. I'm not going to lie. I was a little Were you okay? Like, Did you I was like, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. No, it, it was, I'm getting out of this car regardless whether this demolition derby is still going or not. But For it was sure. a little freaky because you can't really see, once again, you know, you see what's in front of you. You don't see a whole lot unless you're moving around. Yeah, yeah my legs got a little warm and I looked down like, holy crap, I'm on fire. So, oh, my no God. No big deal. Just no big some deal. flames. Yeah. I know. It's a little bit of fire. Uh, so, Rich, I've done a demolition derby. I did one when I was on a show called Fear Factor mm. many years ago. And I won. So I thought I won the demolition derby. Oh, okay. I didn't win Fear Factor. We got to the finals, but 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 didn't win. But we won the demolition derby and the prize was a eight-day African safari in Kenya. So I got to take my husband and go oh. to Africa and it was awesome. But he said the trick is is you don't ever want to crash head on with another car. You'll screw up your engine. So you have to you have to back into him. So there, yep. So we drove backwards the whole derby and saved our engine. And and then last one, we made it count. We really punched him hard and we won. It was really fun. They're a lot of fun, aren't they? <laughs> they are, but you don't realize when you watch them, you're like, they're not even hitting them that hard. Huh. It is so intense when you are actually in the car. I mean, we had neck braces and helmets and all sorts of padding. And you get hit by a car going 20 miles an hour when you're stopped. I mean, it is, we were flying everywhere. Like we, I was sore the next day. It's yeah. intense. Well, now do it without having any of that neck braces. Or no. We don't have no. any. I can't. No. Helmets or anything else. You're in there with a seatbelt. I just. Honestly, regular cars. Oh, this was a blast. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, tell us, first of all, you have, let's start with the. The mascot miracles. Okay. So tell me how you got involved in this, why you, why this came to fruition, a little bit about what it is and kind of your background with, with mascots and, and, okay. and, and why that became a thing. I'm so excited to hear about it. So I've been around the mascot community about 30 years 
30 years. That's a long, yeah, time. long time. Yeah. So yeah, I've been doing this a long time. Did a couple of things with a few sponsored, corporate sponsored things back when I was a kid and thought, oh, yeah, okay. And then I kind of put it off and then Special Olympics, I got to go do a couple of things with. And, and then the Olympics came around and did a few things with, you know, after the Olympics with their mascots and things like that. But what actually triggered it a lot was my, my eldest son, him and I were doing a mascot event back in 2011 and we ran across this young this young four-year-old girl her name was brinley torres or her name is brinley torres and uh, she was battling leukemia and the way we ran across her is there was a couple kids on the street holding up a sign that said alex's lemonade set and had no idea what that was and we kind of asked the girls what it was and they told us that this young girl was raising money for cancer research Wow. We already, we already had our costumes in the car anyway. So we, we went around and we found where they were at the park and talked to her mom. And her mom said, yeah, she's battling leukemia and she's raising money for cancer research. And the thing about it that was really cool was this little four-year-old girl was raising money for somebody else when she was battling on her own. Yeah. And uh, that was really intriguing. I was like, okay, can we, we, can we help? We'd like to, we would like to stay here for a little bit and help you out. And uh, she's like, She's never been around a mascot before. She might freak out. Yeah. So we went, got costumes on and, and it was, it was July. So it was hot. Yeah. And she had these bounce houses and for an hour and a half, my son and I went down these bounce houses and went through and I, I thought I was going to roast and it was, oh my goodness. it was hot and we'd go down the bounce house a couple of times, the slides, and then she would take us over and she would say, these are my pictures of me in the hospital. You know, she'll show us all of her cancer pictures when she didn't have any hair. And, and then she'd take us right back to the bounce house. And <laughs> we've been really, really close to this young girl. And uh, for the next couple of years, we did a lot with her. And, and one year she, she asked us if we would be part of her cure search walk team and uh, help her raise money that way. And we decided we wanted to not only to show up for her team that day of the walk, but we wanted to actually help raise some money. So we did, we did a dodgeball tournament for her and we brought all the, the pro and college mascots in from the state and we ended up raising $2,700 that day for this young girl. And mm -hmm. afterwards, all the mascots were like, this is the coolest thing ever to be able to get together as a group and to do something really cool like this for this young girl and, and for what she wanted to do. And we need to do this more often instead of just individually. And uh, that's kind of where it started. And so we come up with the idea, my son and I that we wanted to create a foundation we could continue doing stuff like that. But instead of maybe raising money to, to send to research things, that we would be able to keep the money within the foundation and actually use the money to be able to create experiences and, and memories for families that are battling things such as Brinley was going through. And yeah. so that's, that's kind of where it came to pass. And Canada first year, we, we ended up signing up 25 families that had heard about us. So we don't do any advertising or promoting. It's pretty, pretty much just word of mouth yeah. and doing things like this. The next nine years, we, we have brought in 1,575 families. So we're, we're just over 1,600 families that we serve right now. Wow. That is incredible. <laughs> it's crazy. It's hard to, it's hard to put on experiences for that many people. Yes. No majority when we put on these big experiences, we'll have two to two to four hundred families show up. And uh, you know, they all have children that have serious terminal health conditions. The the downside is, you know, we're 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 trying to create a memory. Yeah. Um and a positive experience for the families because 
these, these children, there's, there's no guarantees. Yeah, I know you've, you've had and experienced that same thing, and it's life-altering. And these families have been dealt a cards, a dealt, been dealt a deck of cards that has changed and altered the course of their hopes and dreams that they, they were hoping for. Yes. <laughs> and this was going to happen. And, you know, you and I, and you've overcame some of those trials and, and I commend you for staying positive. Well done. I mean, I've, I've read your story and, you know, I'm, I'm inspired and, and I would love to have you come out and join us at some time to, to get around these kids as well because they need those positive influences. But that curve in the road changes everything for these families and not only for the parents and the siblings, but for that particular child. And, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be, grow up and be all these different things to be able to do all these different things. For instance, you know, drive the demolition car or be on the flying trapeze or, or play in different sports that I was able to do. These kids go to school and the majority of the ones we, we work with and we serve, they, you can physically see that they have special abilities yes. and that doesn't make them different, makes them special. Yeah. But these kids just want to be treated like normal kids. Yeah. They, they, they hope for a friend, you know, they hope to be able to be accepted. They hope to be able to not bullied when they go to school or out public. And many times, you know, they hope for a tomorrow. Yeah. And unfortunately, (laughs) tomorrow doesn't come. Yeah. For many of these kids. Yep. And uh, this is a hard lesson that we had to learn through the years that uh, we can't control an outcome mm-hmm. on many of these situations, but we can control a moment in time. And that's what we do. We, we control that moment in time to create a smile. For instance, two weeks ago, we created a, we created a prom for one of our young heroes that we knew that she was, she was on a downhill slope, but she didn't have much time. We wanted to give her, her parents, and her brother the opportunities to be able to dance with her one more time. Yeah. And so we created a prom, and we do the proms quite frequently, to be honest with you, when we know, when we know a child's not going to be around too much longer. That's been a really popular thing that we do. You know, daddy-daughter gets a dance, and, and this particular one, brother and sister, got a dance. Of course, there's no dry eyes in the, the entire place. but. Oh. She ended up gaining her wings two days later. And the cool thing about it is these mascots, and I don't, I don't know, I really don't know. I've, I've heard it's called the mascot effect, but these children find comfort whenever they're around these, these mascots. And it's almost like we put them in a make-believe world. Yeah. In this make-believe world, there's no fear. There's yeah. no stress about doctors. There's no stress about being accepted. Because once they walk in a room and there's going to be the mascots there, yeah, they know they're not being judged. They're all going to be treated just like they want to be treated. They're going to get all the hugs they want. We're like life-sized teddy bears. Exactly. And it's really hard to explain to someone that's never been behind the mask for what we get to see and feel with no language. We don't speak. There's, there's no language said, but there's more words spoken without being said between a hero and a mascot that I don't, I don't know how to explain. I, I, there's no explanation on uh, what we can feel 
and and way we we talk and communicate with one another. But uh, these mascots get so close to these families, yeah, that many times over the last ten years they've actually been not only part of the funeral services with these kids, but they've actually been pallbearers for these kids. Oh, it's the hardest thing I've ever done, but yet what a cool honor, you know, to be able to be part of something so special and, and sacred that a lot of people are like, a mascot's going to be a pallbearer at a funeral. And then all of a sudden you show up and it's just like, there's no fun. There's no games. These, these mascots are completely respectful for what's going on. And everybody's just in awe that these characters that the next day are going to be out with their teams, you know, goofing off and silly stringing and confetti and everybody in their, in their path. But on this particular day, that's not the case. They're oh. being able to honor these angels that, that they were able to be part of their lives. And, and you know, wow. See, I could talk about this all day, Carmen. This is just it's such a passion of mine. Well, it, I'm so touched by everything you said, Rich, and I have so many thoughts and follow-up questions for you. I, I'm so glad you brought up that those are the exact things I was thinking about when you said, when you're talking about that there's something a mascot can give that maybe a, a person wouldn't. And because they're not talking, they're not asking questions. The kid doesn't feel like they have to even put on a brave face for someone else. They can just be held. They can just receive a hug and love and just complete from, from, of course they, you know, probably at least the older ones know in their heart of hearts, it's not a a real bear or cougar or, you know, whatever tiger it's, it's a person behind it, but they don't have to feel like they have to put on any sort of brave face. They can just be themselves and receive just unconditional love from someone. And, and I love that they're, that's like the mascot code. There's no talking. It's just through your actions alone. And actions are so powerful. I mean, actions can pick up where words fall short. And I think that's so beautiful that because of your background and, and, and your life experience that you were able to bring that into blessing so many people's lives. And this is the whole point of the Doing Good podcast is what what gifts or talents or life experience did Heavenly Father bless you with to bless others? And you took something like a mascot and have, has turned it into such an incredibly beautiful thing that is, I mean, currently blessing 1,500 families. I mean, that is just amazing. It's amazing. My really good friend, her name's Lindsay Preston, lost her sweet daughter Harper to brain cancer two years ago during the COVID-19 pandemic. And we couldn't have a funeral for her. And so we we all met and socially distanced outside and released balloons for her on the day of her funeral. And these moments in time that you're talking about really carry the family through because the child passes and they get to go live with Jesus and be free from their pain and sickness. And I firmly believe that with all my heart, but the families are left to now live their entire life with, without their child. And memories are all they have to look back on. And my friend posts things frequently about her daughter. And she's like, I have to keep 
talking about her and remembering her and oh, she would have been in fourth grade. What would she have done? And kind of imagines a life for her as she's growing up. And because she said, that's all that we have are these memories. So to be able to create these moments in time for these families to carry with them until they get to see these children again. I mean, I really can't, I really can't imagine a better gift. So you must just have, I don't know, Kleenexes in your cars and your pockets and everywhere you go all the time, because I cannot imagine that, that you are just so full of love and joy and sorrow and heartache all the time. I mean, I, I really think it's, it's what our savior must feel like the, the greatest joy and, and the greatest sorrow watching these families just say goodbye to people that they love. I just, I truly can't imagine doing it. And it must take someone really special to be able to handle that kind of sorrow and pain and help them carry that on a daily basis. You know, it's, it's hard. It, I'm not going to lie. It, it's taken its toll on a lot of them. A lot of the mascots they've had to, they've had to back down over the years because of it. Uh, and I, I, you can't fault them for that. I mean, it's not for everybody. It's not, yeah. the, it's not for the mega art. There's no doubt. I don't know. I don't, you know, I, I wholeheartedly believe, you know, things are placed in front of us for a reason. And then why this was placed in front of me, I don't know. I, I'm not going to lie. Meeting Brindley Torres that day was not a fluke thing. It wasn't no. by chance because generally we would have taken a different route home because yeah. it was faster. And why I took that particular route home that day, I don't know. But it definitely changed the entire course of my life along with my family, you know. Like I said, they're all part of it, my wife included. They're all actively involved with this. And the tissue, luckily, I, I a lot of the times I get to wear the mask and I don't have to show the emotion side. I, I do when I talk about it. I can't help but, you know, tear up because these these kids are like my own. And that's the oh. that's the thing is they get so close to you. Yeah. It's just like a, a child goes to a pet store and they see the puppy that they want. And there's yeah. there's no deterioration in that child. If this is the yeah. puppy they want, this is the puppy they're going to. And they're immediately bonded. Yes. It's the same thing with this these these mascots. They love them all, but there's certain ones, as soon as they see them, there's something about them. That's the mascot they're going to go to every single time. First thing, they're going to get the biggest hooks from that child because that is their pet. And they treat them just like they're their pets. And there's nobody that can tell them different. That is a... And yeah, it, it's really cool. It's cool to be part of. So who, who? I mean, obviously you can't tell us the people behind the mascot, but do these mascots come from high schools, sports organizations? Like who are the mascots that come to support these kids? So when we started the foundation, it was all of the pro guys here in the States. You know, you had the Jazz Bear, you had... Grisby, you have Bumble, you had Leo from Real Salt Lake. Yeah. Then you had the colleges, you had Swoop from University of Utah, you had Cosmo from BYU, and you yeah. had Willie from Utah Valley University. As we started getting going and things got busy and busier, you know, the Bear has a lot of home, you know, basketball games and Grisby has a lot of hockey games. And so we, we decided, you know what, if we're going to continue growing like we're doing, we need to create some of our Oh, yeah. And uh, that way, these kids get to see them all the time versus, you know, it's it's an awesome opportunity when we get the blessing, when we get the bigger guys. Yeah. Leo and, and Grizzly and all those guys. So we yeah. created our own. If everybody showed up to an experience, just mask us alone, where there's over 30 just in the state of Utah. Wow. And 
that's not saying the mascots that come in from out of, out of state back in the day, the jazz fair started off what he called the mascot bowl. Yeah. And, and every year we go and play football against these eighth graders. And yes. Well, a lot of these guys come in town and uh, they know about us now. And so they want to, you know, help out and be part of things. So, you know, we brought mascots from out of the state in the, to do our experiences as well. So we have them all over the, all over the country that have come in to, to be part of some of the things that we've done. We have, we have princesses that we use as well. And I don't know if you've ever heard of the Swan Princess. Of course. So we actually have been given the rights to use Odette as one of our own princesses. Oh, wow. That we've been, we've received that from the Swan Princess organization. We actually have the national princess Odette. As part of our foundation, so no way that's uh, so that's pretty cool. So you know, it's, it's really awesome that people see what we do. And then we did an event over at the aquarium a couple months ago. Loveland lived in aquarium. Oh, we love the aquarium. We love Loveland. We yeah, a dance party there. Oh, fun. we invite everybody. It's just a big, big dance party. We ended up inviting some of the Star Wars characters, cosplay players, and they came out. There was like thirty-five of them that came out. They were. Oh, was so intimidating because they all come walking out together during the introductions. And it was almost like you're in a Star Wars movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Stormtroopers escorting Darth Vader, you know, down the, okay, the mascots are, we're outnumbered. We don't want to be goofing around with these guys. But it's just cool that all these different organizations can come together and, yes. and know what we do and the experiences that we create. And they want to be part of it. And they came out. So, I mean, we had, there was probably... 60 characters that night at the aquarium. It's so cool. No um, way. That's you know, amazing. Just something that we, we come up with that idea. And I don't, I don't know. I don't, it's not mine. It's not my idea. Harmon, there is the yeah. reason these kids. And I've said this to many people before. These kids are on earth to make humanity better. Oh. And if everybody in the world could see the 1500 kids that I get to see on a regular basis, this world would be a totally different place. There's no doubt in my mind because these kids have that true light of Christ, every single one of them. And they have every right to be bitter. They have every right to be angry. They have every right to be pissed off at the entire world. Yep. They come out and they're the ones that are the happiest kids I've ever been around in my life. I'm like, you have. It's true. On your plate, and yet you're teaching me. Yes, it's 100% true. And my friend started a foundation for her daughter, Harper, and it's called Hugs from Harper. And because when she would go to the hospital to get her treatments, and she's this little four or five-year-old girl, would hug all of the nurses and doctors that are putting needles in her and drying her blood and poking her. And she would just hold on to them and hug them and, and smile at them to make them feel better. And so she started a little hugs from Harper. And it's now a little box that she can send grieving families that have just lost their child, like a little box of sunshine with, you know, lotion and candy and, and things like that, gift cards anyway. But she said, that is what I miss most about my daughter is her hugs. And she said she just would always try to comfort us. She was always trying to hug us. And she said it wasn't just a normal hug. She said there was something truly unique and special. And she feels like that was a, a very real spiritual gift that Harper was given with the ability to hug someone and literally transfer some of her love and light to that person through her arms. 
And I believe that. I think these kids are, I don't know, they're set apart. They're special. They're different. And there is something, it, it, I, I don't know that I've ever met anyone that has struggled with something so terrible that truly is just awful and bitter and has let it overtake them. It's like everyone I've met, it's like they're, I don't know, transformed in some way that they just have this outlook on life that, that is like, okay, you guys, this is what life is really about and let's make it better. And, and we want to leave you with something good and happy because I don't know how you couldn't just let it completely crush you. And not saying, of course, they don't have bad days and, and sad days and, and awful days when they're in pain and, and scared. But for the most part, it's just, I, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they stay so, so amazing and angelic. It, it must be a gift yeah, that they I'm, have. So <laughs> let's, Rich, with, with this, with this Mascot Miracle Foundation, do you, are there events around Christmas time? Like does Santa Claus ever come to these events? So every year we, we've actually obtained a, a, an amazing sponsor. <laughs> From the Heber Creeper River. I don't know if you know about that, but they do a North oh, Pole Express yeah. train every year. We're actually, we get the entire train one one night every year. Oh, we, fine, we, goodness. We take 75 of our families oh, on the train. Wow. So it, it's a real experience, really cool experience that they get to go on and every child gets to see Santa. Oh, a gift from Santa. Fine. And it's, it's probably the most magical night of the year that we do. There's no doubt. Just because Christmas and Christmas in general is a magical time anyway. Yes. And then to put, you know, the Santas on the train and these kids that are just full of life and want to be hugged at Christmas time. And, um, and then you put the mascots on the train and it's just a nightmare, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. But you, got, you, gotta, you gotta add the, the craziness to the, yes. the coolness because that's just what it is. And, for you know, sure. it's just a big party on the train for 90 minutes you know that oh it is families, so fun the families all go and they get individually get to go and see santa and all the kids get their own their own gifts and and then they get to come back to their seats and enjoy in the, the last few years every child's got a build-a-bear so we, we oh. so every child that has a, a health condition gets to receives a build-a-bear that's custom made to something that they like whether it be like superman or a sports team or something create it just for them. But then every one of their siblings gets a, a, a bear with, you know, one of, one of our t-shirts on it that has our logo. And uh, it's funny because you get these kids that receive this Star Wars bear that these sponsors have put all this money and, and effort into creating this really cool bear for them. Yeah. But yet by the time they get back to the chair, they would rather have the t-shirt with the mascot miracle <laughs> on their bear. And so they're ripping off the clothes they're putting on this t-shirt. But it's just really cool. And then, you know, every year we put two or three of our families, our angel families. So we, 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 call, the, we call them heroes and angels, angels and heroes. The heroes are any of the children that have something serious for me, you know, yeah. they're dealing with. The angels are the ones that have had to say goodbye. Yeah. So every year we put two or three angel families on the train and they still get to go see Santa. And sorry. Whew. Santa ends up giving them a bear dress in white to represent the child that they, they said goodbye to. That way they get to go home and they see that bear every day and know our two models with the foundation are no one fights alone and never to be forgotten. And that's the parent's worst fear. And your, your friend will be the same way as, am I going to forgive my daughter? 
We try to make sure that that doesn't happen. These families are still welcome anytime to come to any of our experiences, even though their child is gone, because they need to know that that child is not going to be forgotten. And we do everything in our power to make sure that doesn't happen. We have, we have a table that we put up at all of our big experiences and it keeps getting bigger and bigger. But every time a child passes away, we'll ask a parent to send us their favorite picture of the child. And then we ask for their permission to put it on this table. So it's kind of like this big memorial every time we have. I can't look at it. I can't talk about it. Yeah, I can imagine. But it's just one of those things for us to, you know, pay our respects to those children and to let those families know that they're still here. And because uh, who wants to go to a cemetery? Yeah. You know, I, I know I don't, even as an adult, I don't want to go to a cemetery. They're yeah. dreary. They're, they're no fun whatsoever. But if the family gets to come to an experience and yeah, they're going to cry. I mean, we get that. And yeah. it's okay. It's okay to cry yeah. because they're around all these people that know that could be my child sometime. Yeah. Or it is, has been my child. And so they're hugging and, and they're consoling each other. But they know that they get to come and they get to see that child and they go, okay, they're remembered. Now in their honor, I get to go out and have fun in their honor to pay tribute to that child. So that is the biggest fear for a parent that has to say goodbye to a child. And I've heard it over and over and over. Am I going to forget my child? Yep. Not on my watch. No. Oh, my goodness. I honestly... <laughs> I honestly don't know how you do it, Rich. I don't. I don't. And but but I think you said something that is so important is to have a support system for these families that they know they can come back to and turn to because it's not something that okay, it, they say goodbye and then and then you move on. It's it and and grief can come in waves. You can have a year where you feel like okay, like we're we're okay. We're not crying. And then the next year, for some reason, it triggers everything and it's just horrible again. And to have a place to go where even just to have another family, like it's one thing for me to say, I'm so sorry to my friend, Lindsay, and, and to hug her and send her things and love her, but I have not had a child pass away. So I have sympathy, but I don't have empathy because I haven't experienced it. And so these families that and this network you've created truly can have empathy for each other because they've experienced the same thing that and it's and it's a very unique road that these families walk that unless you've gone through it you just don't know and yeah. so to be able to to be there for each other and just say i i do know and you and i know what you're going through it's different that's a different kind of comfort than i'm so sorry from someone like me you know what i mean and so i just think that is incredible and i truly cannot think of anything i mean any higher calling in this life than than supporting because who will walk with them you know you talk about understandably like it's it, grief is a hard load to carry for anyone and and there are some times where it's like the only person that could possibly get me is the savior like no one could possibly understand and he's chosen to do that and to carry our burdens but for you to say well, I'm not going anywhere. And as hard as it is, and as and as difficult as it is, like who else would do it if not you? Like who else would do it? And that you're like, well, I'll be that person for them. I just think it's amazing, and 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 that you are amazing and doing incredible things for with with the Mascot Miracles Foundation. What has been besides Sweet Brinley? 
what has been, and I don't even know if you could choose one, but one of your most memorable, memorable experiences, like what, what has been a bookmark moment throughout the years that you're like, oh, this one, I'm not going to forget. Oh, they're so, <laughs> I know. Eddie, I, I really should write a book, honestly. Um, you should. That, you right, should, Rich. I've done so much. The, and I guess really quick, the, the one thing that makes it positive for me, and people ask me why I do it. I've been blessed with three healthy kids and none of them have ever had to go through any of this that these kids are going through. Yeah. And so it's nice that we're all healthy, that we're able to go out and, and do this to these families. And these families will ask, well, why would you put yourself through that, that turmoil? Why would you do that? Because I don't have to focus on what your family has to focus on. Yeah. I, I'm okay to be able to, I've been blessed to where I don't have to focus all my time on serving my own child that's going through these serious health conditions. Yeah. So it makes it possible for me to pull out and do this. And so that's why I'm able to do that, Armin, because I've been blessed with it. And, and that's not saying that sometime down the road, I don't have that trial that I need to deal with, you know, for maybe sure. a grandchild or something. And we're not guaranteed anything. We know that. Right. Uh, but for now, yeah, I, yeah, I'm blessed with health and strength and I'm able to go out and do that. Yeah. yeah, I'm old and I'm I'm wearing down, but you know, I, I'm not giving up what I do. There's no way I can't. It's just too memorable. But a couple experiences. Holy crap! So, one young lady, 17 year old girl, and this one hit home because she was the same age as my daughter at the time, and she was the same age as the Jazz Bear's daughter at the time. Oh, we, we got contacted if we could go out and. And uh, go, go meet this young girl, Kylie. She was, she was on hospice and she didn't have much time to go. Could we go out and, and visit at her home? And so I contacted the bear and, and a couple other characters and we went out and seen her. <laughs> yeah. It hit home really quick. They were, they were her and her sister. She had a twin, she has a twin sister and her friends were all doing a makeover in her house. And we walked in and realized real quick that the reality of this could be our daughters. And uh, it hit home really hard. And yeah. we both had to go outside, try to regain our composure. Bear never came, regained his composure. He was up the street like four houses and he was, he was using every name in the book. <laughs> uh, you know, why, why, why? Yeah. Yeah. Girl have to go through this. And uh, he, he got it back and he came back. He's like, you know, this visit's not enough. This, she deserves way more. And we want to get her to a jazz game ASAP. And her mom's like, she's not healthy enough. Yeah. To go to a jazz game. And he's like, well, she's like, it's too hard for me to lift her. He's like, I'll send a limo. We'll get her down to a hotel. You guys will spend, spend the night down at a hotel. I'll get everybody that needs to happen and we'll, we'll get this together. And she's like, I just physically can't carry her. And without even saying a word, Jazz Bear picked her up, took her outside, put her in his jazz band. And she was honking the horns and everything else. And he's like, don't tell me it can't be done. I'll take care of it. So, so he got, he got this experience with her at the jazz game and I like, you know what? That's not enough. Yeah. You got to see her at a jazz game. I want to do something with her as well. And so I asked her mom, I go, what's something else while you guys are downtown that we can do for her? She's like, she's had every one of her bucket list items fulfilled except for one. And you're not going to be able to take care of this one. I'm like, huh. try me I, I've been doing this five years now, six years. Try me. I go, I can make this happen. And she's like, she wanted to see, she wants to see the Northern lights, but she can't fly. 
And then that particular moment, I realized I'm not going to be able to pull this one off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was really mad, but I actually asked that question. How am I going to pull this one off? And so I'm like, okay, well, we're going to figure something out. And she goes, okay. So immediately I'm going, okay, we need light show. We need something to make it. So I called the Hampton Planetarium, Clark Planetarium. I says, this is a way out there question. I know you guys don't do this. I said, I got a young lady that's getting ready to pass away in the next couple of days. She wants to see the Northern Lights. She have any kind of a light show. So we could try to make this happen. But she's like, it's funny that you asked because our executive director just flew back from Norway a couple of days ago. No. Filming the Northern Lights. No way. Let me make a phone call. And she called me back about an hour later and says, he's in. When do you want to show? And I go, ASAP. She goes, how many seats do you need? All of them. How many people you bring in? I go, I don't know if she's bringing five or 300. I don't care. Yeah. Everything we do is a private experience. I'm renting out your planetary. I want the entire auditorium for her. And sure enough, within 24 hours, we had this set up. She was down the jazz game. We brought her over to the planetarium. She got to see the Northern Lights. And just to see that smile on her face was well worth it. It wouldn't matter how much money I had to spend on that particular deal. I would have done it. And uh, she just sat there in awe. And afterwards, the, the executive director from Planetarium walked up and they had this huge hug. And he told, he got on the microphone. He said, I'll never have to show again. He goes, because now I know why I filmed that Northern Lights. He goes, this will never, ever be tough for me. And she ended up dying two days later. Oh. But she got to see her Northern Lights. So once again, Carmen, this is way above me. Yes. I happened to make a phone call. And why, why that particular person came back two days earlier with those lights? I don't know, but he did. That was, that was one of the, so one of the big ones. Another one was, his name was Preston Beck. And uh, it was the end of June. And uh, he had a bucket list that he wanted to do a few things. He wanted to be, he wanted to go fishing on a fishing boat. He wanted to stay in RV and he wanted to see fireworks. Those were his three big bucket list items he wanted to do. And uh, he didn't have much time. We knew he didn't have much time. So within 48 hours of getting notified of this, we had him, we had him an RV up at one of the reservoirs that he got to go spend a couple nights in. So. Friday night, he got, he got to go up there. And when he got there, they got to the RV. But as soon as he got all hooked up, they took him out on this professional wakeboard boat. And we ended up getting a professional wake surfer, a, oh, a, national, a nationally, ranked, nationally ranked wake surfer to come up. And he actually did a display behind the boat. For him. Oh, how? Then he got in the water. And then Preston got in the water with him and got on the, the wakeboard a little bit with him. That was really cool. And then the next morning he got up and we had a bass fishing boat, a professional bass fisher came out, brought his boat out, took him out and they ended up catching three different types of fish. And then he went home to get a little bit of a nap in and the fire Roy city fire department showed up at his house, made him an honorary fire department, a fire firefighter, gave him a full suit and everything else with the mascots, everything there. But uh, he had no idea. We picked him up in the fire trucks and took him back up to the station. And his favorite, his favorite country singer was Charlie Jenkins. 
And I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's yes, like, of course. Charlie, we love Charlie. Charlie is amazing. He met Charlie the year before at one of our motorcycle rallies, and he oh. said, "I want to be like you. I want to. I want to grow up and sing with you someday." And Charlie's okay. Well, we notified Charlie that this was going on, and Charlie Charlie showed up, and we we were doing a magic show for him. I mean, it was a whole big old four deal for him. Yes, a magician show up, and he's doing this magic show, and. All of a sudden, he does this magic, and Charlie Jenkins walks in the door. Oh, my God. And his mom starts bawling. Of course. And, and uh, he's like, he goes, I don't have many fans, so I figured when I get reached out by one, I'm going to show up. <laughs> and he's like, I understand last year you and I were talking, and you said you wanted to be like me when we grew up. And uh, he says, yeah. It's like, I'm here to ask you if you'll sing a song with me. So... It had been raining all day. We didn't know if we were going to be able to do the fireworks show or not. But as soon as we walked outside, the rain stopped. And we went out. And Charlie was actually going to do a concert. But uh, they started singing God Bless the USA. And Charlie made it through the first verse. And then he was gone. <laughs> he was more than he found. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and Preston, Preston finished the song, singing it. And then... Charlie came back and gave him a big hug afterwards. And I went, went and talked to him. He's like, are you going to finish singing? He's like, there's no songs that I can sing this tonight. There's it's no gonna way. Top. It's just going to top what just happened. He's like, I'm done. And, and then Preston got to, he got to do the fireworks. And we, we hired a fireworks company to come out. We had to get permits because it was too early to light them off. But yeah. Preston was able to be the one to push the buttons. And this, oh. this 20 minute firework just blow took like five minutes because he was pushing those buttons. Just it was just a grand finale the whole day. It was the coolest, coolest thing I have ever seen in my life. This fireworks weather, that smile on his face was, you know, it was crisis. And uh, he ended up passing away, you know, less than a week later. And I tell that story because it was right during COVID. So we didn't think we were going to be able to even pull it off. Yeah. We social distance everything. But that particular year, if we do an annual fundraiser gay list, and this particular one, we want to do a Christmas special. We couldn't have anybody in, in the studio. So we, we did that and we had Charlie Jenkins come be the performer that night. And uh, Charlie Jenkins decided he wanted to give away one of his guitars, an autographed guitar. Oh. And then, so we had all of our families write on a piece of paper. You know, what you're thankful for during holidays. And anybody that sent it in, we put it in a hat for a drawing. <laughs> and uh, we had a bag of well over 150 names in there of the, the little stories. And, and we gave away a couple of things and it was Charlie's turn. And he gets up there and uh, he starts reading this. And he's like, something to the fact that to be able to listen to my son Preston sing uh, a song. With Charlie Jenkins. And Char <laughs> Charlie lost it. I right in the middle of this episode. Because he knew whose family this was. Yeah. And he's like, you got to forgive me. I got to go redeem my composer. And he walked off. <laughs> and, and we went out, out there. And he was, he was a little ticked off at first. You guys set me up. <laughs> yeah. And we shot him the bag. Charlie, you randomly picked this person. There's no way. No way. There's 150 some names in here. You picked Charlie's mom to get this guitar for a reason. Was it because of anything I did? 
No. You have to, you grabbed it out of the hat yeah. on your own. Nobody did. And he's like, oh, holy crap. God. It was such a cool experience for him to be able to get that this long. Sure. Both of those, I mean, I agree with you completely. And it's echoing just a tiny bit again, Rich. Oh, there. Oh, now it stopped. Not okay. Sorry. No, I agree with you completely. Is that it was not a coincidence that that man from the Clark Planetarium was up filming the Northern Lights and that you happened to have a prompting to call the Clark Planetarium because you couldn't get her up to Alaska or Norway or any, you know, up in Canada to see the Northern Lights. That was not a coincidence and not a coincidence that Charlie drew Preston's family's <laughs> name out of that bag. All of those things. I mean, they're ten- that's all their tender mercies. They are that that's what they are and their gifts and, and beautiful memories that, I'm so grateful you shared with me. And this is how this is how we keep the memories alive is by sharing things like this and sharing these memories. And I honestly do think you should write a book and you should or or several books and several volumes and write down every experience that you remember with families. And it might it might take you years, it might take you a lifetime, but to be able to have that. And to be able to have that in your fa- as part of your foundation and as a gift for these families, from your perspective, the miracles that you saw to help them remember, I just think that I would get one. I mean, I, I just think I can't imagine anything more more beautiful. I think you for sure need to write these down and share them because the world needs more of this. It it, it needs more. It just needs more uh, miracles. <laughs> It, it does, and and they happen, but we need to talk about it and share them more. We need that desperately, and that it, Heavenly Father is aware of us, and that amidst like the most horrific, terrible things, like like the death of your child, that there still can be beauty and love, and that Heavenly Father is aware of us. I've been so touched by everything you've shared today, and please. Please think of me. I would love to be involved in some way, in any way in this, whether it's singing or speaking or just coming to a family's house as a, I don't know, I, I, I can be just like a mushroom mascot. I don't know, whatever you have, I'll dress up as anything to be. That's the thing. You don't even need to be a mascot because it's this whole foundation revolves around it. Volunteers. The mascots get to show up and they get to have the fun. You know, yeah. they, they get to experience the joy of what was put together. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's the entire volunteer staff and yeah. you know, our entire, we don't, not one person gets a paycheck. Yeah. The, the mascots come and donate that the board members are all donated staff. A lot of people think that we get paid and, and nobody gets paid this foundation. Yeah. But if, if it wasn't for our volunteer staff creating these experiences, we wouldn't have it. it doesn't exist. So, you know, they're, they're the people behind the scenes, but they're the ones that, you know, make it all happen. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't, I can't pat them on the back enough to say thank you for what they create. Yeah. I, I get to make some phone calls now and again to, to help them out, but yeah, they make it happen. Okay. I, I made a phone call. This happened. Okay. This is the event you need to create, revolve it around this particular situation and they yeah. do it and they jump they jump at it and no questions asked you know and you never know when you're gonna have that last minute thing and yes 
I, we need this to happen right now. And unfortunately, I've, I've passed off on a couple of those opportunities through the years and regret it. Yeah. And, oh, I can do that on my next set of days off. And then, and the person didn't make it. And, you know, I, I have to live with that. And, you know, I know I shouldn't beat myself up over it because it was going to happen anyway, but I do. No, <laughs> I, I had, I had a, someone reach out to me on Facebook years ago and ask if they could come seeing to their daughter who was on hospice. And I said, yes, where, when, where do you live? Where are you? And, and, and we vaguely set a date, but she didn't, I wasn't able to follow up with her. I, I, I didn't know it, when she wanted me to come and she's like, let me just see if we can get some things figured out. And then after about two weeks, I just kind of knew and I, and I messaged her and, and found out that her child had passed away. And even though it, it, it wasn't anyone's fault and, and, and we didn't mean for it, it I'm like, what? I've always thought about that. Like, what could I have done? What if I just said, send me your address. I'm just coming now. Like, what if I didn't say, well, let's set a date. Like, what if I just showed up, you know, first thing in the morning, it doesn't even matter. And said, I will sing outside her bedroom window. And I, and I've always regretted that. Not just, not just making it happen and showing up and doing it. And I think, man, it's, it's just amazing. Honestly, Rich, what you are doing. And this is why I love this podcast so much is I get to talk to incredible people that are just doing the most amazing things and, and, and quietly and in big ways and in, and in small ways, making an impact in other people's lives. And so thank you for taking the time to talk with me today and man, for all the good you are doing. Thank you. I appreciate it. Like I said, it's an army that does it. And every one of the mascots will have their own stories as well. Yeah. What's nice is I can't tell their story for them because it's special to them. I can't yeah. tell what I do from what I've seen, but every one of these guys has their own why. Why do they come back? You know, why yes. did you put yourself through this? Why would you? But this really quick, if you don't mind. Yes. Uh, the future of the Mascot Miracle Foundation, just yes. for the mere fact that we are growing so fast and it's so hard to find venues. Yes. We made the announcement, unfortunately, it was right. At the beginning of COVID and then everything got put on hold, but the Mask of Miracles Foundation is going to be creating and all abilities, all accessible indoor amusement park. Wow. So I'll be coming in the state of Utah. State of Utah already backs it up. It's a matter of just, we have a couple landowners right now that we've been trying to get on board and, and hurry up and get us land so we can get going and get this funding going because these kids deserve it. But... These kids deserve a place to go to have a sanctuary where they can go to. And there's a couple parks across the country, but there's nothing in Utah. There's yeah. nothing anywhere between here and California that these kids can go, especially during the wintertime. Yes. So just to be able to go and, and, and enjoy an opportunity, the entire park will revolve around a centralized location, just like Disneyland has their centralized deal. Yeah. The central part of the park would be like a Garden of Eden. Oh. Now we have the family being able to come to someplace beautiful versus a cemetery. Like an indoor atrium? Indoor atrium with waterfalls and this great stage oh. this beautiful tree where the kids may <laughs> be put on these someplace in this area where they could come and go into this it would be an enclosed room where they could go in and you know, have that molded in the morning and, and then be able to go out and enjoy the park. Right there. So that's that's the future of the dreams that we have we have come. 
Oh my goodness, Rich, that sounds amazing. I cannot imagine anything more exciting for these families. How cool that they could have a place where they can go have fun and have peace, both of those things. And and really a place where, I don't know, you can you can feel the spirit and there's a way to do it. There's freaky carnivals and then there's like magical Disneyland. Like there's this, honestly, I tell my husband, I'm like, I know this sounds silly, but like the spirit is at Disneyland. Like it is like, there's something different about something just sweet and good and catered around families and love. And if you can create that, man, you really will create magic. I can't, you need to go to Tennessee I don't know if you've been to the Gaylord Opryland and and have seen their most incredible indoor age. I mean, it's the most incredible thing you've ever seen, but you really? should pattern it after that. I can take a look at it. You Simply don't have to send me a message on what it is. I mean, you know. I will. I for yep. sure will because it's amazing. I cannot wait to see this. I can't wait. I'll be there at the grand opening. Invite me. I'll come. I can't wait to see how amazing. Rich, thank you so much. Well, for coming on my podcast. Thanks for making me cry, dog. Thanks for making me cry. I think I cried more than you. I, d- I couldn't even talk and answer questions. I just sat there bawling as you talked the whole time. It was truly an honor to be able to interview you today. I'm grateful hopefully, for you. Hopefully I came across what you wanted and you can definitely tell that there's a passion about what we did. Absolutely. There is real, genuine love. And you know what? Those kids can feel that too versus... I'm doing something nice. I don't know. I can't imagine anyone would would do it for, for for themselves, but you know what I mean? Like that there's people out there, but but people can tell a difference between authenticity, being genuine, legitimately caring about what they do and not doing it because they have to or or to be nice or to call call in a favor to someone else. And and I know that you just do this from the absolute love and goodness of your heart and I know those kids can feel that it translates and it's real that's amazing thank you Rich no thank you and you are more than welcome at any given moment to come and join us Herbert, and I'm so excited to tell you about an amazing app that my whole family loves. It's called Our Turtle House, and it's full of literally thousands of hours of full-length talks, just like the old talk on CDs or talk on tapes, from some of your favorite Latter-day Saint speakers like John By the Way, Mick Johnson, Hank Smith, me, and a ton more. Plus, there's podcasts, firesides, devotionals, come follow me resources, and entertaining content your whole family will enjoy truly all in one little app and you can use promo code doing good all one word at checkout and you get a full month free so check it out and sign up at ourturtlehouse.com see you soon